Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. This morning, I'd like to uh, just preach for a few moments. I'm, I'm excited. I believe God gave me a word, especially for this back-to-school service. Uh, when I first figured out that we were going to be doing the back-to-school service the way we were doing it, I believe God just kind of dropped a, a word into my heart, and um, it's kind of just been germinating, if you will, and I believe it's just going to be a great, great morning this morning. The word I want to start by saying is compromise, compromise. Uh, it's a word that uh, is used quite often in the world that we live in, and uh, I mean, it's used kind of in a positive light, right? I mean, if you're in any sort of relationship, you've probably heard this word compromise. Um, it, it means an agreement or a settlement of a dispute that is reached by each side making concessions. So, in other words, if you and I are coming to an agreement and you're like, well, I'm not really cool with that, and then I'm like, well, okay, we can come to an agreement on this end, but I need you to do this for me, right? For all my married people out there, right? All my happily married, or sort of happily married, hopefully uh, uh, this is kind of a big deal, right? You've got to give and take. Conflict is a matter of opposing needs. Disagreements are best resolved when each person's needs are assumed to be legitimate and important. When both persons' needs are assumed to be legitimate and important. I mean, let's go through this. I know the marriage weekend's not for another month and a half, but how about this? Let's try to find some way to meet in the middle or split the difference, if you will. I mean, maybe our marriage is a little bit different, but there's one person in our marriage who's a spender, and there's one person who's a saver. And, uh, and I'm not going to let you know who's who, but uh, I, I cherish my marriage. So, uh, but, but we come to an agreement sometimes, right? Like, Brendan, there's a new rug that we must have, and is there a possibility we can swing it? And, uh, and we, we, we swing it. So, I'm happily married. <laughs> Number two, how, how about this time we do it my way, or we'll do it your way, and next time... We'll try it the opposite. So we'll do it your way this time. You really want McDonald's? Okay, let's go get some McDonald's. But next time, we'll go to Taco Bell, right? Man, that's just, that's, that's heaven on earth right there. Number three, what if we do it my way when I'm doing it and your way when you're doing it? So the dishes, right? Man, doing the dishes, we can do it your way this time because you're doing it. But when I'm doing it, let me just do it my way. All right, I promise the dishes will be clean. Number four, how... How about part of what I want with part of what you want? Man, this is some good marriage advice right here, y'all. <laughs> but compromise, compromise. With the idea of compromise in mind, it's all about making a deal. Two people working together to a common good or a common goal. And if you're in a healthy relationship, compromise is necessary. But this morning, I don't want to talk about that meaning of compromise. I don't want to talk about the art of making a deal. I want to talk to you about another sort of compromise. To compromise is to make concessions or accommodations for someone who does not agree 
with a prevalent set of standards or rules. In other words, it is a lowering of your standard for somebody else or something else. It is to do less than what you know is right. The Bible, it gives very strict instructions on this. In fact, Jason, if you'll throw that up, Psalms 119, 1 through 4, and the NLT says, Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Catch that. Joyful are, the, are his people who obey his laws, who do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. Who do not compromise with evil, but only walk in his paths. I mean, that, that's easily said. That's easy for me to stand up behind this pul- pulpit today and tell you do not compromise with evil. But when evil comes at you, it doesn't typically come as a big, bad boogeyman, right? All of a sudden, it comes as a little bit of gossip in one ear that's really burning you up inside, and you just got to tell somebody, right? It comes at you from one end, and you're like, well, this isn't so bad. It's just another Netflix show. It's just another, you know, Instagram person that I want to follow. It's just another relationship that, you know, it might not be perfect, but and it doesn't look so bad. But God said, who do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. The end of that verse says that he has charged us to keep his commandments carefully. Now, I don't know about y'all. This is just Brendan Hannington here. But the word carefully kind of means something. It kind of pops out there. I mean, if you're going to do something carefully, it doesn't happen by accident. Or there wouldn't be things called accidents right? That, like, it doesn't matter. What, what you're doing, when you're careful, it happens by intention. So if we are not going to compromise with evil and keep God's commandments carefully, it means we are going to have to take some time daily and be intentional about it. Who here wants to keep God's commandments? Is there anybody here? Okay, awesome. Now, everybody say compromise with me. Compromise. There it is. Compromise. Now, now we're going in a bad direction with compromise. We don't want to compromise our standards. We don't want to compromise our beliefs and our convictions. In fact, the Bible, it's a book all about people called out by God to go further in his purpose, to see his kingdom come, to see his purpose done on this earth. And I believe in this room this morning that I'm preaching to a bunch of people who want to see God use them and take them further in his calling, further in his purpose for their life. I believe that I'm preaching to a bunch of people that want to see his kingdom come and his will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. But when we read through the Bible, we get a glimpse of people's lives And they're to be an example to us, right? That's what the book of Hebrews says. You can read through these scriptures, and they're to be a testament. They're supposed to be a a little bit of an example so that you can figure out how, how to do life and how we are to live our lives. I got talking to Pastor Donovan yesterday, and I was like, man, like the warts on all of these characters in the Bible are just, they're brutal, man. You start reading through that Old Testament and figuring out that these 
great people of God really aren't so great. And, and even the people who didn't live for God and how bad they were, it's just like, it's really amazing to see how these people's stories turn out. And recently, I've been walking through the book of the Kings, and it's absolutely compelling. If you want a good book to read, let me tell you right now, the Bible's a great book to read. It's like, it's really good. And uh, it's, it's, it's full of romance and excitement and mystery, all that fun, fun stuff. But the book of Kings is amazing. To watch as David lives and dies as a man after God's own heart, only to pass the kingdom off to his son Solomon, to, and to watch as he starts to reign and do so well. I mean, this dude's like killing it. He's killed, like, as far as a king, he's like, he's like amazing. God comes to him, what do you want? And he can have anything he wants, riches, lands, people, whatever. And he says, God, all I want is wisdom. Don't you wish your kids were like that, right? Man, what do you want, kiddo, for Christmas? Mama, give me wisdom. Just teach me some more. (laughs) Hallelujah, right? But here's Solomon. He asked for wisdom, and God says, because you've asked this thing, I'm going to give you everything else, too, the things you didn't ask for. And we watch as Solomon's reign just takes off. It's, like, amazing. But the Bible talks about the end of his life, and he starts to compromise. And God comes to him and talks to him and says, Solomon, you've done so well, man. I'm so impressed with you. Like, big ups, you know, like, you were so good. And he, and he says, but because you've started to compromise and started to worship these other gods, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you. I'm going to take this kingdom away from you. But because of your father, David, I'm not going to take the whole kingdom away. I'm going to take away ten tribes. You'll get one, but I'm taking the other ten. And so Solomon, I mean, it's, 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 it's tragic, just absolutely tragic. His, his son takes his place. Uh, Rehoboam takes his place, and, and Solomon passes away, and all the people come to Rehoboam, and they're like, man, can you l- let up a little bit on all this work that we've had to do? And Rehoboam goes to all the elders, all the older men in his life, and they're like, yeah, let up on him a little bit. And then he goes and seeks counsel of the young men, and the young men are like, don't do that. Man, no, 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 show them you're, you're even stronger than your father. And so Rehoboam comes out to the people and says, Hey, my pinky, it's thicker than my father's thigh. You think he was bad? He beat you with whips? I'm going to beat you with scorpions. And, like, it's brutal. And so the people revolt. They go crazy. And just as God says, ten nations turn from that family. And he only gets to continue to reign over one. And Jeroboam, he's just a man that was in Solomon's courts. He was raised up. He was a great man, smart. But God calls him and says, Jeroboam, I'm going to give you these other ten kingdoms. Jeroboam, like, and so here's Jeroboam, just kind of like a nobody, right? And he gets raised up and elevated to the king of all of northern Israel. And he gets to reign over ten. Like, can you imagine? God calls you and says, hey, I'm going to make you a king. Not because you deserve it, but because you're my next king. And so Jeroboam, he, he steps into that role. But something unsettling happens almost immediately. Like within three verses, Jeroboam looks at what's going on around him. And he says, wait a minute. The people of Israel are supposed to do a sacrifice yearly in Jerusalem. But Jerusalem, wait, wait, wait. That's in the southern kingdom. That's, that's where Rehoboam reigns. And so Jeroboam goes, well, you know, maybe God didn't really mean that they had to go all the way to Jerusalem. 
you know what? I'll make two other places for them to sacrifice. And so Jeroboam, he sets up two brand new altars in a place called Dan and a place called Bethel. And he tells the people, don't worry, I know I don't have Levites doing the sacrifice. I know, but Jerusalem, that's so out of date. That's so far away. You don't want to do all that traveling. You don't want to do all those things. Man, don't worry. The Levites, they, they want to be clean and they want to be right. Don't worry, I've got better priests than the Levites. And Jeroboam starts to compromise in the things that God instilled as a law. He says, no longer do you have to do things the way that God intended them for to be done. Now you can do them the way that I'm telling you they can be done. And Jeroboam sets up two altars, causing the nation of Israel to compromise the one thing that God intended for, that, for their sins to be pushed over, that sacrifice, that annual sacrifice. Like I said, this might not seem strange from the outside looking in, but what you must understand is that the law of the Lord was to do that yearly pilgrimage and to offer burnt offerings. And the offering was to be sacrificed by only one person. That was the priest, the Levitical priest. Jeroboam just tells his people, don't worry about it. Calm down. Relax. I'm sure there were people that kind of revolted, you know, like, whoa, 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 Jeroboam. Man, I need to go to Jerusalem. I need to do what God's called. Oh, don't worry. God spoke to me. It's okay. And there's Jeroboam compromising, saying what God intended isn't really what God intended. What God purposed, well, that, he didn't really purpose that. There, don't worry. This is just an easier way. Take the easy way out, Israel. Take the easy way out. That's exhausting. That's tiring. That's so last year. My goodness. You think that's important now? Oh, my goodness. No, that's only important like 20 years ago. That was only important 100 years ago. And so here's Jeroboam telling these people to compromise. Give up on your convictions a little bit. Give up on the things that God's intended for you. Starts to compromise. And the problem with compromise is it never just affects you. It never just affects you. That's the worst part, right? If only we could compromise and it was only me I had to worry about. But because of this simple decision that Jeroboam makes, it goes on to mess up all the people of Israel. And not just in that generation, but in many generations after him. In fact, we're going to roll here in a minute, Jason. Fifteen kings 15 kings after him are described as walking in the way of Jeroboam. 1 Kings 15, 25, and 26. Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, began to reign over Israel in the second year. Go down to verse 26. And walked in the way of his father Jeroboam, and in his sin wherewith he made Israel to sin. There's king number one. King number two, 1 Kings 16. Basha, as, and then go down to verse number two. Has walked in the way of Jeroboam, and has made my people Israel to sin. 1 Kings 16, Zimri, go down to verse uh, the end of there, walking in the way of Jeroboam and in his sin, which he did to make Israel to sin. 1 Kings 16, Omri, verse, uh, verse 30 of 16, Ahab, 22, 51, Ahazi, then Joram, and then Jehu, and then Jehozaz, and then Jehoash, and then Jeroboam again, Zechariah, Menahem, Pekah, Pekah. I'm telling you, it wasn't just Jeroboam. When Jeroboam compromised, all of a sudden, generation after generation after generation found it easier and easier and easier 
to compromise. Now you're looking at me saying, well, Brendan, we don't have to go to Jerusalem anymore. So what am I compromising? What does this even mean to me? Who, who am I affecting when I make my little decisions? But when we compromise, it can feel like a decision that will only have, you'll only have to deal with the consequence of. But it never affects just you. And here in 2018, we still come up against compromise pretty much on a daily basis. So let's talk about some of them. Well, number one, church attendance. That can be tough, man. This is 2018, Brendan. Like, quit being so old school, man. But when these doors are open, it's so important that you do all you can to be in the house of God. Look, I grew up, and my dad, he was born into a family of alcoholics. He can tell you stories of, of, of literally his father coming home and beating up his mother, taking all of the money that she had made and gambling it all away. And my, that's the, like, my dad's family, I love them. I, they're amazing. I really do. They've kind of grown up a little bit, sort of. But they're great people. But do you know what? When my dad was young, he tells me his stories, and it just makes me shudder. And he tells me, he got, he got saved when he was about 16 years old. And he tells a story. He says, Brendan, we went camping one weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it was rager every day, every night. And they just got blackout drunk. And he, on Sunday morning, woke up. He was 16 or 17 years old. Can you imagine? Who's a 16-year-old in here? Anybody? Do we have any 16? 15? Any 15, 17-year-olds? Anybody? All right. We got to work on our 15 to 17-year-olds, apparently. But he was 16 or 17 years old on a Sunday morning. The rest of his family still hung over, trying to figure out what to do with their lives. And he hitchhiked two hours to go to church. And he made it just in time for them to be releasing. Altar call had just ended. But you know what? It was important to him. I've got to be in the house of God. This life that my family's leading, this isn't what I want. And so you better believe as a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, my dad, he made it. He instilled it in me. Brendan, those doors are open. You got to get to church, man. And we had church on Wednesdays. We had youth on Fridays. We had church twice on Sundays. And every time those doors were open, I, I'm not trying to be old school here, but I'm telling you, it's a place that, God, that the devil wants you to compromise. He wants you to compromise. He knows every time these doors are open, the word of God is going to go forth. And that means that there is hope, there's life, there's deliverance. And he knows that there is something here for you. And if the devil can keep you busy and get you to compromise on your time at church, he will. Parents, I know it. I know homework is tough. I know there's more homework today than when I was a student or you were a student. I know these kids get loaded down with more homework than they can probably even think about. But the fact is, when these church doors are open, you need to get your kids in church. They need to be here. They need to know that God is more important than your, than your financial future. I know that's, that's weird. I know. And, and your future is important, students. You, you need to get good grades. And your future, your job, it's important. But at the end of the day, your job is not more important than the kingdom of God. Your relationship with God is more important than your good grades. Your relationship with God matters. Don't compromise the house of God for a good grade. I promise there's more time after church. You might have to stay up a little bit longer. But there's, there's a few more hours after church too. 
The Bible says it this way in Hebrews 10 and 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as ye see the day approaching. You've got to assemble together. We've got to get together, y'all. We've got to make it important to be coming to church. Another place or area of compromise can be in your morals or your beliefs or your convictions. Here's what, the word of God is still true, y'all. I know it, it, that, that's not popular all the time, but the word of God is true. His, his word is still yea and amen. Our God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know what? Because, just because this world is changing doesn't mean your beliefs and convictions change. Just because Congress deems something new is right or something new is wrong, I'm telling you, that doesn't change your convictions or your beliefs. The Bible is not changing. The Bible is still the same. Parents, don't compromise your boundaries just because some other parent might be letting their kids do something. If you have a reason for what you are doing, stick to it. If your kid is asking why they can't wear something, why they can't hang out with certain people, why they can't go certain places, why their dating rules are different, why their social media rules are a little bit different, don't compromise. If it's a wise choice and you firmly believe it, stand firm. Stand firm. And young people, try to understand what's happening when your parents are giving you these rules, these guidelines. Try to understand, why, why, am, why have they even said this? It's not because your parents, I know, I get it. You feel like your parents are out of date and weird and crazy and like psychotic, right? But there's a reason why they've done what they've done. And my college students, as you're venturing out and expanding your horizons and making decisions for your own, understand why some of the guidelines have been set up in your life. A quote I always loved is, before you move a fence, make sure you know it why, why it was put there to begin with. And so young people, I know freedom is fun. I know being able to make your own schedule is fun. I know your work schedule, that's fun. But figure out why have your parents instilled what they've instilled in you. If your parents aren't in church, try to figure out what convictions am I going to stick to and stick to those convictions. 2018 is not a year that we need to be compromising people. 2018 is a year where the church needs to stand out more than ever. I'm telling you, this world is getting darker, and so as the world gets darker, this light is only going to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. And it might feel weird, it might feel different, but that's okay. God has called us out of darkness to live in this marvelous light. Don't compromise. So as you're making choices and no longer have to live under dad, mom and dad's rules, that doesn't mean that it's time to compromise. It just means that you may need to make sure that you are doing right in God's eyes. We are different. We are to step out from this world and to be ye separate. And this goes for more than just students. I, I, I hope you're catching that. And, and this goes for more than just my parents in this room. I hope you're catching that. This goes for every person that wants to be in a closer relationship with God. 
We need to make sure that we are worshiping and sacrificing at the altars in Jerusalem and not just going to Dan and to Bethel because it's easy or because the world says, well, we set up these new altars and you can worship at these altars. No, we need to make sure that our truth is still truth. We need to make sure that we are cherishing the word of God. We need to make sure that we're not compromising our beliefs. We need to make sure that this world knows what we stand for. Be unwavering unshakable, hold strong to your convictions and what God is doing in your life. Man, while preparing this message, I'm prepping and I'm typing on my lap. I'm like, man, Brendan, who are you? Like, chill out. Let some people breathe for a minute. But do you know what? I couldn't get away from this. And I'm telling you, in this world we live in, this world would love, the media, I'm not going to go down that path. This world would love for you to compromise. Your beliefs, man, it'd be easier if you would just lay down, bow down to the idols of this world. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they, they stood there, and the king of that nation in Babylon said, bow down to my altar when this music plays. Bow down to this idol, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood there. They literally stood fast, right? And they said, we're not compromising, king. We know in this nation this isn't a good decision. We know in this nation this isn't the, the smart choice, but we're standing anyways. And the king goes, don't you know I'll throw you into a furnace? And they said, well, do it. And they said, you know, our God, we believe he can protect us and keep us, but even if he doesn't, we're not, we're not bowing. And in this world, in this day and age, we need some people, young people, parents, people without kids, people who aren't kids. We need you to stand and believe that God is still the God of heaven. He's still the God of the Bible. He's still the God that says, this is what I'm going to do for you. But you just need to stand fast. It can be easy in a moment to think, well, it's not a big deal. I'll just hang out with this person one time tonight or talk badly about this one person just this one time, they won't even find out. I'm only telling my best friend, right? It's not a big deal. Or dwell, I'm going to dwell on this thought maybe a little longer than I should dwell on this thought. Think about this, you know, picture a little longer than maybe I should think about this picture. Think about this very horrible thing longer than I should think about it. It can be easy to compromise just a little, but the Bible tells us that it's the little foxes, right? They ruin the the vineyard, the vineyards. The little foxes, they ruin the vineyards. But let me tell you something. This isn't all doom and gloom this morning. God's goodness and love, it's here for each and every one of us. It's awesome. I I don't care where you've gone, what you've done, how you've compromised in your life. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. You have not messed up so much or compromised too much that you cannot be used and have a purpose for your life from God. So if we are not to compromise, Brendan, what exactly are we supposed to do? Well, I'm so glad you asked. We're to be steadfast. We are to be steadfast. The church in this 21st century That's the word right there. We're to be steadfast. Acts 2 and 42, right after the Holy Ghost had been poured out for the very first time. If you've gone through Discover Life, you've heard us dwell on this scripture a little bit. And it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They stayed steadfast in four areas, right? The apostles' doctrine and fellowship 
in breaking of bread, which is communion, and in prayers. They said these are some areas where we are all in. We're all in. We're not backing down. The chips are on the table. If you've ever, if you've ever played that ungodly game of poker, right? If you've ever played it, you know the most exciting time of the game is what? When you go all in. And God wants to, your life to be the most exciting it can be. He wants your life to be so full of purpose and passion and understanding. And there's only one way to do that, and that's to go all in. Stand steadfast with God. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Colossians 1, 23, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, uncompromising, unwavering, I'm not going anywhere, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. He's saying, stand. Let that faith build inside of you. When things in this world get hard, stand. Don't let it waver you. Show them, no, 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 there's something different inside of me. I'm made different. I'm set apart differently. Hebrews 6, 19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. How cool is that, that our steadfastness is equated to an anchor? Because if, if you've ever been on a boat, and I haven't been on many boats, I've been on a few, but you realize an anchor can't always be seen, right? And in fact, the anchor is most useful when it's not seen, right? But when a storm comes, you want to know that that anchor's there. And so when your beliefs, your convictions, that steadfastness, it might not feel like you need it on a day-to-day basis. You might not even know, do I have what it takes? But I'm telling you, when that storm comes, all of a sudden, you stand fast. And you say, I'm not going to the left or right. Sickness comes, I'm standing fast. I'm not compromising. When, when trouble comes, when doubt comes, when hurt comes, when bitterness comes, when those things come against your life, and I, they will. You know why? Because we're human and life happens. But when it comes against you and you're steadfast, that anchor holds you and it keeps you close to the heart of God. Second Peter 3 and 14, be steadfast. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. Steadfast, unmovable. If we could all stand this morning, I've got one more scripture. Paul, that, that amazing man of the New Testament, you know, writes all, the, all those New Testament books, but he, he comes out. And he says, stand therefore in the evil day, doing all you can, doing all you can. And he repeats himself, stand, stand. Twice in literally about 15 words, he says, stand. He understood that that church, in, that was in Ephesus, but he knew that church, things were going to come against them. Life's going to come against you, Right? Life's not always easy. I wish it was. Life's not always rainbows and butterflies. Wish it was. Skittles, whatever. Taste the rainbow. That's not how life is all the time. Life can be tough. And compromise can feel like the the right choice. Compromise can feel like the, the right thing to do in a moment. 
Jeroboam thought compromise was the right decision. If I'm going to keep this kingdom the way uh, it needs to be done, if I'm going to show these people how to live, I've got to compromise a little bit, change things up a little bit. Dan and Bethel, there you go. You get some altars. There you go, Israel. Worship where you need to worship. But God said this isn't how it's supposed to be. So this morning, I'm praying that hopefully you haven't compromised. But if you have, just know that we serve a gracious God. We serve a God so full of love and goodness and grace and mercy. His mercy is new every morning. Thank you, Jesus. And he's here. If you need to, today when we open this altar, if you need to come to this altar and just ask him for forgiveness for something maybe you've compromised in the past, I I hope you find that here. But this morning, I hope that there's some people I want to stand and say, I'm ready to stand fast. I don't care what I'm going through. I know I'm going through hell. I know I'm going through life, and it doesn't feel like it's fair life. It's just coming at me fast, and I don't, I don't like it. But I'm, I'm willing to stand, and I'm going to stand. So this morning, these altars are open, and I would ask that every person in this building would make their way to this altar that you throw up your hands, even as I'm speaking, come now, throw up your hands and say, God, I'm standing fast for you. As life comes at me, as school comes at me this year, as as decisions come at me this year, I'm going to not compromise. I'm going to stand fast for you. I'm going to show where my allegiance, allegiance lies. It lies in the goodness and the grace of God. That's it, church. Let's pray right now, God. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by the preaching of God's Word. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, or if you plan to attend one of our services, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.